everybody. Welcome to For the Girls. We are so excited to be here today with none other than Ali Ashpatel, the head of sustainability at Mercedes AMG Motorsport. Ali, thank you for being here. Thank you. This is especially exciting for me. I've told Sarah and Chesla this many a time, and I announced it to our entire listenership the last sustainability episode, <laughs> that this is like Christmas come early for me as a huge <laughs> Mercedes fan and really into sustainability. So we're just honored to have you here and in our home city, no less. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. First yes. time in New York. That's crazy. Well, we are honored that we get to be a part of your agenda. Um, so before we dive in, want to do a quick, some quick highlights of your sustainability report that you released uh, last month. And congrats on all of the accomplishments <laughs> so far. So number one, the biofuel trucks that you guys used last year for the last three European summer races reduced freight travel emissions for those races by 88%. That's huge. huge. <laughs> wow. 21% reduction in overall air travel emissions and 46% reduction in race team travel emissions, a lot through the investment in sustainable aviation fuel, which we're excited to dig into. Diversion of 98% waste from landfill. That's incredible. To energy recovering and recycling, saw a 34% reduction, reduction in water consumption and a 10% reduction in energy per team member since 2018. And finally, because people are a huge part of sustainability as well, one highlight worth noting, in the first half of 2023, 37% of new team members joined from underrepresented groups. So amazing. round of applause for all of that. <laughs> there you go. That's an amazing <laughs> track record. So before we jump into all things sustainability and your role in particular, let's go back a little bit. What got you into sustainability? What led you to Mercedes and motorsport in general? So it's one of those really happy stories for me to tell because it's kind of like the confluence of two things I always loved that came together for like my dream job in, <laughs> in one moment. So I actually studied earth science at university because nice. I was really passionate about understanding how the earth worked, um, love being outdoors, love being in the mountains and wanted to understand how those landscapes formed. Mm -hmm. And I did that and I realized that actually what I really wanted to do was start protecting those yeah. environments and kind of source sustainability is a really exciting opportunity. It was really booming when I graduated and I went into construction, which is a little bit different to motorsport. But, <laughs> That's very um, cool. Yeah, it's a completely um, different environment to where I am today, but it has some of the biggest sustainability challenges. Like you look at how many buildings are going up today, Definitely. how we need to expand for a growing population, but do that in a more sustainable way yeah. and look at how we can use better materials, mm. how we can actually look at the processes. So it was really exciting and interesting and I learned a lot. And then in parallel, the whole time, I've been a massive F1 fan. Yes. My whole life. I mean, like, <laughs> surely everyone says this, yeah. but um, my family loved it. I've got so many memories of driving to my grandma's house on the weekend, having the F1 on in the car. And then this was before, like, you know, you could just pause and restart, <laughs> having to like sprint from the road into her house to get the TV <laughs> on as quickly <laughs> as possible. It's like, I can't miss a single thing. Um, and I actually kind of lost my interest in Formula One a bit as I kind of got a bit older. It didn't feel like something I could engage with that mm -hmm. much. And then weirdly, I was in Waterloo Station in London and I'd missed my train. Classic. Oh, no. <laughs> and there's a magazine shop. So I just popped in there. I was like, oh, I'm just going to pick something up because I'm bored. And then there was an F1 magazine with Susie Wolf on oh the front gosh. cover. The and queen. I was like, oh, this is interesting. What's this about? And then I was hooked. Read the article and was like, I need to get back into this. And so just kind of kept my eye on the industry. And then this job came up and I was like, 
perhaps I can this like, is perfect. perhaps this, yeah. is, this is my dream job and applied for it and here I am now 18 wow. months later <laughs> all the best things start with missing a train yeah. <laughs> and getting a good magazine yes <laughs> and Susie Wolf <laughs> it definitely Susie Wolf has to be part of that equation so like we mentioned earlier Mercedes is striving to be one of the most sustainable professional sports teams in the world tell us kind of what that goal looks like what it means for you all to succeed in that Yeah, so at Mercedes, we're all in on sustainability. And so becoming the most sustainable professional sports team requires us to set really ambitious targets and then deliver upon them. Um, You very kindly highlighted some (laughs) of the steps we're taking already in that space. But it's also about being really transparent and acknowledging that not all the solutions that we need exist today to solve the climate crisis. And it's quite a privilege for us. We sit at this intersection of sport and technology, which not a lot of sports teams have the opportunity to do. But we are a team of problem solvers and we've got the opportunity to actually come up with some of the tech that we need in the future. And so we kind of, it's this balance of using our platform to demonstrate that you can create exciting races week on week, that you can, you know, be performing at the highest level, but you can do it in a more sustainable way. And you can identify technologies and solutions such as sustainable aviation fuel or new fuel in the cars or lightweighting material that can then go into road cars. All of that kind of coming together to be both entertainment and change in a really positive way and allow us to kind of go further but faster. Yeah, that's so interesting. And that's one of our favorite things about motorsport and sustainability is the fact that F1 is kind of like an R&D lab for a lot of these technologies that trickle out into other areas of the world. I'm curious, are there is there competition in that space? It's weird to talk about competition when it comes to sustainability, but are there other sports that you guys look to or who are doing as much as F1 and as Mercedes in the sustainability realm? And yeah, and competition is actually good for sustainability yeah. in a lot of ways. So it's really nice that we have a working group of sustainability teams with Formula One to kind of look at how we can innovate on topics like sustainability. We were in London a couple of weeks ago to actually start talking about this with the FIA as well and race promoters to say, mm. how do we embed sustainability in what we do? Obviously, each of us would love to be the best yeah. at sustainability, <laughs> but I think there is that competition and collaboration is really, really key. And then when we look kind of outside, I mean, a really good example that we've taken a lot of influence from has been Coldplay and their world tour that they've done and just how much they've embedded sustainability in everything from fan engagement to alternative energy supplies and kind of saying, if we're going to go on tour, which we need to do because we want to provide entertainment and we want to be fun and exciting. such an interesting parallel. I never thought about that. Yeah, because, you know, you want to go and see concerts. You want to go and see Taylor Swift on the Era's tour. You want to go and see all (laughs) those kind of things. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But you want to do it in a more sustainable way. And so it's about how you can use examples from cross-sector, particularly entertainment and sport, and say, we don't want to lose these, but we want to do it more sustainably. That's so great, too, that race promoters are getting involved. Because we talked about this a lot, about how with all the local circuits, you really need to get the whole F1 ecosystem involved. That's great. Yeah. Okay, let's jump back into the sustainability report. It feels like Tiggy kind of read the whole thing already. <laughs> no, it was like 60 pages, and I did read every word of it. But naturally, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Um, so it's been amazing. Congratulations on that, first of all. It's so great. Tell us some highlights or anything that you're particularly proud of, like a big achievement from mm. the report. So I'm personally really proud of um, the team had done a lot of work before I started. So Mm -hmm. I joined 18 months ago to set up the sustainability division and kind of champion that throughout the business. I think it's really important to recognize they've done great work before I started. It didn't all just happen with me. You know, they've been reporting for a number of years on emissions (laughs) reduction. Just had some excitement in there. Um, And, you know, we've seen some massive emissions reduction since 2018, so like 58% reduction. But one of the jobs I had when I started was to go, 
we understood quite a lot of our impact, but not all of it. And I think that in order to really drive change, you need to first understand your full carbon mm-hmm. footprint and actually say, where are our pain points and start to go, this is what we need to tackle. We want to tackle our biggest emissions as a priority, reduce them and then kind of remove any residuals. So actually one of the things I'm most proud of, and it doesn't sound the most exciting, but was doing the full accounting and going, we now know in what we released in this year's report, our full impact. Which is huge. Which I mean, yeah. imagine how much work goes into that. And That's the is, first step. It's quite exciting exciting to kind of say we now our emissions will, will never get higher than that yeah that's it that that's where we are yeah. today and that's, that's what huge. we've started and then this is where we want to go so I was really proud of that and then obviously the work we've done with biofuels and our sustainable fuel strategy because we are in motorsport and we're also in the business of going racing to 23 countries and that takes equipment that yeah. takes people and moving that around the world coming up with a way to do that more sustainably has been really exciting and kind of having the privilege to not only come up with the ideas, but actually implement them has been really, really enjoyable. Yeah, it's so incredible. And I don't want to get too technical, but maybe just a little technical. (laughs) (laughs) So it looks like you are all on track to have 100% reduction in scope one and two emissions by 2026. Maybe first, a quick refresher for our listeners on what scope one, two, and three mean. But also, my question really is, for the scope three emissions, what do you feel is really in your control and what is kind of outside of your Mm. control, at least at the moment? So I'm (laughs) going to do my like one minute spiel on scope one, two, and three. It's helpful. Um, So scope one and two are what we often call our direct emissions or the things that we can directly control. Scope one is everything you burn. So any fuel that you burn in things you own. So if you have a company car, that or you know for us the race car that's our (laughs) scope one Mm -hmm. scope two is the electricity that we use to run the factory and so all of that you can imagine that we've got a lot of ability to influence and control energy efficiency on site alternative fuels in the race car in the advanced sustainable fuels project scope three is everybody's biggest emission because it's all your indirects Mm -hmm. it's everything that you do that you don't directly control so everything that you buy every material that you buy there's an emission embedded within that Every time you take a flight, every time you have somebody commuting to work, it's all those kind of pieces that come together. And there's some really great work that's been done to start to set it into categories. So there's sort of 15 different categories. So you can then start to measure those. Um, But yeah, it is a very big diffuse set of emissions. And for us, it's over 95% of our carbon footprint comes from that space. So one of the biggest challenges we have is how you actually set those boundaries, as you say, and how you Mm -hmm. actually go this is what I control, this is what I influence, and this is what today we can't necessarily attack, but we know we need to in the future. So doing that carbon footprint exercise, really valuable because we now know exactly in each of those boundaries where we want to go. And the good thing is actually there isn't really anything you absolutely cannot tackle. Mm. It just takes different approaches. Mm. So in business travel, that's part of our sustainable fuel strategy and how we work with Formula One as they start to look at the calendar, how we work to um, purchase more sustainable aviation fuel, Mm. all the way through to say the supply chain where we start to work and influence them to look at how they could become more sustainable. So it's a it's a really interesting challenge because you can't just replicate the solution each time, but it makes you think. And what I love is that it's embedded across the whole business. You know, we're empowering the whole business to make decisions about sustainability. It should be one of the first things we think about. And it's great to see that that's kind of led from Toto all the way down through mm-hmm. the team to actually say, here is how we can make yeah. a more sustainable team and also a, a team that delivers sustainable high performance for the yeah. long term. 
So great. I feel like there's so much collaboration and reliance on partners in that, but that is an exciting, mm. exciting time. <laughs> One thing we have been so excited about is the biofuels experiment. So you all did that for the last three races in 2022. So what were some of the takeaways from that? Were you all able to implement that at all in 2023? Yeah, so it is also one of the things I really enjoyed. So I'm really pleased. Um, so in Europe, when we go racing, um, rather than flying, uh, all of the equipment goes around in trucks, yeah. um, which is great from a sustainability perspective. But equally, there's a lot of work that can be done to reduce those emissions by using alternative fuels. So we trialed um, a fuel called HVO100, which is hydro-treated vegetable oil, and it has a much lower carbon impact than diesel. Wow. So we trialed it for the three final races of the season because there's a lot of logistics that goes mm -hmm. into an F1 event. <laughs> and it's quite scary because you have to, particularly in back-to-back -back races, you have to get all your trucks and equipment there with time to set up. Yeah. And so the trial was basically to make sure that we could source the fuel, that we could deliver the emissions reductions we expected, and that it didn't impact racing. Yeah. And luckily it didn't. All of those <laughs> things worked. The car and made it to the track. Everything yeah. <laughs> went well. And we were able to see this sort of 88% reduction in our emissions from those three That's races. Amazing. There were le lessons learned about sourcing because it's not equally mm -hmm. available all over Europe. And so that was a really interesting kind of logistics challenge, which I never would have thought I'd have been doing when I took the role, <laughs> but has been a massive learning. And then we were able to roll it out for this year for the full European season. Wow. Mm -hmm. So we, we recognised that Given some of the challenges in the market at the moment with fuel availability, we weren't going to achieve 100% coverage this season, but the mission was to do a full season, aiming to source it wherever we could, looking at the impact of going back to back, different trucks leaving at different times and how we could start to solve that. And we work with our partners, we work with Petronas to help source the HVO, which is really key for us because right. that's a challenge. Um, and then hopefully, I'm just accounting for it at the moment, my team are back in the UK pulling the numbers together <laughs> um, to be able to say how much we've saved, but we hope to have saved over 200 tons of carbon wow. from wow. that project, which is big. I mean, imagine if every team did that and then like F1 and yeah, and the great work impact. is like Formula One have just started doing it with DHL. So this yeah. season as well, they've announced um, their work with DHL to move all of their kind of camera equipment through the season. So you're starting to see this trickle effect. And what's really important for us is that we show that this is possible and then share the learning mm -hmm. because it wasn't the easiest project we've ever done. But it was there's so much we've learned from it that we're sharing with Formula One and with the other teams to say, here's how it can be done again and again and again. It should just become business as usual. 100%. Totally. Way to lead the charge, Mercedes. Well <laughs> uh, you've mentioned sustainable aviation fuel a bunch. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So sustainable aviation fuel is one of the technologies we believe is going to be really transformative in aviation. So at the moment... We'll, most people will fly on just traditional A1 mm -hmm. jet fuel. And it's not the most environmentally friendly fuel out there. And one of our first things we do is, you know, where we do not need to fly, we do not fly. But where we have to fly, we want to do it in a more sustainable way. And so we identified sustainable aviation fuel as this really amazing technology that basically massively cuts the carbon emissions of flying by a bit like the biofuels that we use mm -hmm. in the trucks and it's a similar kind of process. Um, it's a bit more technical than that. But, you know, <laughs> getting me into the chemistry of that. <laughs> yeah, vegetable no, oil yeah. in the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Notebooks out, please. Um, but this fuel is really transformative because it drops into airplanes. You don't need to retrofit yeah. them. You can just use them as they are. At the moment, it's less than 0.1 of a percent of all of the jet fuel available in the market. So it needs to grow rapidly. And we believe that our investment in it can help kind of signal that people want to use it, that you can use market, it. Yeah. Exactly. That you can go racing really excitingly and 
but do it in a more sustainable mm. way. So we've kind of done it in two parts. One, the first investment that we've done, so we've done a multi-million euro investment over a number of years. And the first part is all about something called book and claim, which is where what you don't want to do is invest in fuel and then ship the fuel halfway around the world to put it in your airplane. Yeah. So the idea here is that in order to scale the industry, you create this kind of uh, marketplace where we invest in the fuel and we make sure that fuel goes to its nearest airport to be put into the mar- into the market for use. Mm-hmm. And then the credits for that are decoupled. So no one else can claim the environmental benefit of that. So you don't create this kind of double counting. Mm -hmm. But we're kind of using that as a first step to help pump it into the airports that are ready for it. And then the second half is an investment in actual refinery capacity. And like getting it to the place that you Creating new fuel. Because what you don't want to do is just keep buying up what's there. You also need to be growing the market. So that's kind of how we see it going. And it's so exciting because there's new technologies coming out in the aviation fuel space all the time. At the moment, there's something called the heifer pathway. But there's lots of people looking at e-fuels and hydrogen and loads of things. I think this space, it's you often hear a lot of like sad news about sustainability. But I think this kind of technological innovation is really exciting and something that's really positive and that helps us go racing. Yeah. And again, it's another example of something that would trickle out into so many different industries, use cases, really the whole world. So that's... that's Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's massive impact. So for us last year, when we invested in it, we saved over 2,600 tons of carbon. Yeah. That's huge when you think about the scale of impact. I can't wait to fly in a plane that's that's sustainable yes. aviation fuel. There's so That's much great. less guilt around travel. And, <laughs> and it's coming. I think what's really exciting yeah. is that you're starting to see it trickle in. Yeah. And that's that's what's so important. Like We can't individually all make change, but it's kind of groundswell. Yeah, definitely. Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. So we want to talk a little bit about the factory of the future. So earlier this year, Mercedes announced uh, at least two new buildings, fully net zero from day one. Super exciting. Tell us a little bit about the vision for that and what you're excited about. (laughs) Yeah, so so back to my roots of construction. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Which is very exciting. Um, So... We want our campus to reflect our vision and our ambition to be the world's most sustainable professional sports team. And so having a world-class hub that allows you to do that is super exciting and gives you a sense of pride, you know, as you walk in and you see this and that you know that it's having no additional impact. Mm-hmm. So the two buildings that we're looking at doing, as you say, net zero in operation from day one. So they won't increase our emissions baselines. So as I said, you know, we've we've kind of capped where we're going to be. And they're mm-hmm. actually, with the large solar array that we're also going to put on site, we will actually reduce our emissions. It will help us kind of cover them, but it will also reduce our overall on-site um, energy consumption. We have more solar on-site after the construction. That's awesome. Which is really exciting. Yeah. And also it's things like looking at resource efficiency. So looking at how we can reduce water in the site further. How can we use AI-enabled technology mm-hmm. to reduce energy consumption? Because we're trying to build 
the world's fastest car, but how can we be more efficient with how we do that? And that's a really exciting opportunity to kind of give everyone the chance to feel the impact of sustainability because not everyone goes to the racetrack, but everyone experiences our factory at Brackley. So kind of embedding that sustainable high performance mm -hmm. across everything we do is, is really exciting. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to have so much more biodiversity on site and green space and kind of it's this whole look at sustainability holistically and look at how we can have a positive impact across everything, not just the racetrack, but back yeah. at home as well. Yeah, I love that you say biodiversity. I feel like as a scientist, that's definitely <laughs> something that you think about a lot. And I feel like gets lost in the climate conversation a lot. So I'm glad that that's something that you definitely are thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the biggest challenges or impediments you expect Mercedes and also the sport generally facing in the net zero quest? So I think one of the things that's traditionally been a challenge and we're seeing some really exciting work on has been the fact that we need to fly to go racing. Mm -hmm. And so the work that Formula One has done, we really welcome the start of the work they've done on streamlining the race calendar. And we know that that's an ongoing project they're looking at to kind of optimize where we go. And for example, one of the projects that we've done is look at the sea freight on the flyaway races, although they're not always flyaway, sometimes they're sea away. <laughs> but look at how we can optimize the sending of kits. So rather than sending one or two kits and having to hop them between geographies, we've invested in six sea freight kits that we send off at the start of the wow, season. And they go in geography and they stay there. So for example, in the USA, we have a sea freight kit that will cover yeah. the, the races there, you know, and so it means that those kind of solutions are coming. Um, and I think it's been really good for us to have this younger, more socially conscious, engaged audience off the back of things like Drive mm -hmm. to Survive come in and, and challenge us, but in a really positive way because there are solutions and you see this in the problem-solving nature of the sport that there's lots of positive impact we can have. It's We always talk about the, the rising fandom and all the different things that like are now table stakes because of all the new eyes. Um, mm, so definitely. Great response to that. So... Obviously, there's a lot to be said about reducing emissions, but sometimes it's about removing them and there's a whole world of offset programs. It can be a little bit of an opaque world. So yes. tell us how Mercedes approaches that. How do you choose and validate your offset programs? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because it, it is a fairly opaque world. And we're at the moment developing and refining our carbon removal strategy. So mm -hmm. traditionally, we've used... Um, reduction style offsets and we're starting to look at how we can develop a portfolio of high quality carbon removal um, solutions where we actually mm -hmm. take the carbon out of the atmosphere and we're, we're in that process at the moment but we kind of know some broad principles that we want to work on such as we want to have a global kind of portfolio because okay. we are a global sports team. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that they're high value, high, you know, we want to do a lot of due diligence behind the scenes to kind of make sure that these do have proper additionality. Mm -hmm. And we love seeing the work where projects embed the sustainable development goals within them. So, you know, yep. that it has this impact, positive impact on many other aspects beyond just uh, the climate right. and carbon removal. So it's definitely a work in progress and <laughs> come back for more information soon. But I think... <laughs> removals are part of our strategy but at the same time this kind of reduction piece is so key that the first thing is always where can we reduce in our value chain through things like sustainable aviation fuel through things such as the biofuels or yeah. our home you know brackley how can we reduce that how do we work with our team to look at say the commuting emissions so we're in like a saying this sitting in new york is quite quite weird um, juxtaposition <laughs> but we're in kind of a, a market town in the countryside in the uk so the public transport network isn't fantastic there. You know, we don't have a subway. We don't have we don't have that kind of 
bus network. So we're looking at how we can help the team travel to work more efficiently through things such as the Lyft Share app that we've oh, launched, that's great. which means it, it's great from a social side as well, right? Because yeah. you actually get Getting to, to like new people. link yeah, up with people, yeah. like a, like kind of go, oh, I want to share my commute maybe one day a week, maybe five days a week, and just start to get to know other areas of the business. And again, kind of embed sustainability as something that everybody can get involved with and feel a part of because it is across the whole team that we're all kind of on this journey. Yeah, that's very fun. I love that. I also love that you mentioned being in New York and the sustainable development goals, it being climate week here <laughs> and also the UN General Assembly yes. halfway point of the SDGs. So very excited to see what the UN has to say about that over this week. We were talking a little bit about before how motorsport can affect the world much more broadly. It can have an impact, whether that's in the transportation sector, road cars. You mentioned a little bit about sustainable aviation fuel and that impact. Are there other areas where you're excited that motorsport can kind of push the envelope on the sustainability front? Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I think the team are really proud of is the ability to transfer the technology to the road cars sector. So we know that lots of uh, countries are now looking at kind of the electrification of vehicles, Mm -hmm. but we know there's still going to be a huge number of internal combustion engines on the road Mm -hmm. in 2030. And so the fact that we're developing advanced sustainable fuels with our uh, partner Petronas Mm -hmm. to actually be able to say that fuel is going to drop in to, it can be a drop in fuel for road cars and it can, you know, it's going to be a hundred percent sustainable and it's going to massively reduce the impact of racing. But critically it's about scaling the technology to be able to bring advanced sustainable fuels to the road. Mm -hmm. And that's huge when you think of the number of internal combustion engines. And then the kind of other work that's happening is around we do a lot of work on lightweighting the car, on making it streamlined, energy efficient, because that's how you win races. And one of the great pieces of work that we've done in collaboration with our engine partner, High Performance Powertrains in Mercedes, and with the Mercedes team, some of the knowledge that we've gained from that program has been able to transfer into the EQXX, which Mm -hmm. is a concept car that Mercedes have built, which has been able to travel from Germany to the UK on a single battery charge. Wow. So when you, think, when you think about that, you're like, that's game changing. Yeah. And that's Formula One technology in the real world. And that's where I think it's so exciting because we love watching racing and we're all here because we really enjoy that and find it super exciting. And But it's then that broader impact into sustainability that really makes me passionate about what we do that's and why we do it. And that it just comes from the whole business. Everybody's bought into this. Yeah, that's I love so that. amazing. Another thing we want to talk about is social is also such a big part of sustainability. So Accelerate 25 is a five-year program launched in December 2020 to embed EDI at the core of everything that Mercedes does. So two and a half years into that, there's been a lot of accomplishments. Can you walk us through anything in particular you're excited about or or happy with the team's performance? Yeah, and I think it's amazing, very similar to the kind of environmental sustainability side. Again, this is embedded right from the top of the business down because we believe that being more diverse will make us go faster. We fundamentally believe that. And that's great. It's wonderful to be in a business that believes in that so wholeheartedly, particularly as a woman in motorsport, I feel really passionate about that. So one of the things I'm really pleased to see is the increase in um, female representation in the team up to 16 uh, and a half percent. Nice. Um, And then also, as you mentioned, the kind of increase in underrepresented backgrounds and new hires up to 37% in the first like half of this year, which is again, really exciting because it's so important to us to be able to do that as a team. And, you know, we believe that we see Lewis championing it, but we also see it in the day-to-day office environment and it's wonderful. Yeah. 
That's great. Um, should we talk about the 2026 regulations? People ask us about this all Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, our last sustainability episode was on the 2026 regulations. So big focus on sustainability through that. More electrification, 100% sustainable fuels. In your opinion, do you feel like F1 and the FAA have done enough with those? And what are you excited about? <laughs> so I think the first thing that's been really great for us this year is we've done a lot of collaboration yeah. with Formula One on this. Um, they've done some great work to actually unlock some sustainability innovations in the current set of regulations. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we're not just looking at 2026, but also what we can unlock over the next three to four yeah. years. And that's allowed us to do things like the biofuels trial, the sustainable aviation fuel. It's kind of unlocking a series of activities for all of the teams, which is fantastic. And the 2026 regulations, you know, we're starting to have those conversations. So part of when I was in London with F1 and the other teams earlier that earlier in the month I've lost track of where I am <laughs> what day <laughs> what's happening I'm jet lagged <laughs> um, but part of that is having those conversations and saying what would we like to see and yeah. acknowledging again we don't have all the answers today and it's really important to kind of say here's where we want to be open dialogue we know that there's progress we need to make but what's really important for us as the team is that we don't stand still while we wait for that to happen totally. we're innovating and kind of embedding the sustainable fuel strategy, embedding the work at the campus to kind of go, whilst we work and collaborate on that, we have to be moving quickly now, today. Yeah, definitely. Love that. And how collaboratively are the various teams working with F1 and the FAA to achieve these goals? We've talked about this a bit, as you were just saying about the FAA kind of focusing on collaboration, but how do you see that process going? I think, well, our hope is that it, it continues to evolve because collaboration is going to be really key in this space and it's great I love having counterparts in the other teams that you can engage with and ask questions because Formula One is competitive but with sustainability we're all racing towards the same future totally. and so no pun intended yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so important that kind of ability to go this is where we see it as a sport going and having a voice in that mm -hmm. space so yeah hopefully much more to come well, yes. we love it. So something that we like to end all of our interview episodes with is advice. It was okay. so cool hearing about the confluence of all the things in your life that led you to this amazing role. What kind of advice would you have for someone who is looking to break into motorsport? So I always, when I think about this question, I'm always like, gosh, I want to give like one really good nugget of advice. <laughs> and, you know, I wish I had like this perfect soundbite that sounded really great and that you could use it. Right? I'm sure it's going to sound great. <laughs> Everyone I, listen up. <laughs> I actually think um, it's a couple of things. And something someone said to me, and I can't remember who, so I can't give them credit, is all experience is good experience. Mm -hmm. So get experience. It doesn't need to be in motorsport because it's difficult to get experience in motorsport a lot of the time. So I had no motorsport experience before I got this job. Okay. I had experience that was transferable. And I think that's the thing that people forget yeah. is that you learn so much from everything that you do. Thinking about its applicability to what you're doing today and what you want to do in the future, just keep gaining the experience, keep knocking on doors. And you know, when you see your dream job, I think we hear it a lot as women that we may not apply unless we've got all of the skills on the kind of yes. the job application. Don't do that because I did not have everything on the job application list. And I, I will freely say that I didn't have everything on that list, but I applied and I got it. And I think it's so important as a woman to remember, it. you don't need to have everything. You've got great skills and great things to bring. And if you're passionate, that's going to shine through. So of kind course. of bring yeah. that with you. 
That's my long-winded answer. <laughs> I know. That was, that was perfectly incredible. said. Okay, before we wrap up, we always do a few rapid-fire questions. They will be oh, easy. Don't worry. <laughs> First one, hopefully easy for you. So from safe water in Mozambique to recycling in Romania, do you have a favorite offset program that you guys have done? <laughs> oh, goodness. Maybe That's not actually easy. not a quick follow-up. Um, <laughs> I don't think I can say I have a favorite. I'm just really proud of the portfolio yes. we've pulled together. Good. That's a great answer. <laughs> That's great. How about do you have a favorite Mercedes moment this season? Um, my personal favorite moment was getting to go to the Spanish Grand Prix. Oh, oh so amazing. Cool. And standing in the pit lane. Yes. That was really exciting. My first experience of that. Yeah, and the Amazing. Spanish track in Barcelona, very into sustainability. Yes, yeah. very much so. so. That's great. That's a good one. <laughs> um, favorite track, I guess we just said that. Or favorite Grand Prix besides the one that you went to? Silverstone. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Damn, that was an easy one. That's okay. We're going from hard to easy. <laughs> and this actually, the, the last one might be difficult because it's your first time in New York, but because we are New Yorkers, what are you most looking forward to in New York City, whether that be a restaurant, a museum, a park? <laughs> oh, I'm really excited to walk through Central Park. Okay. That'll be That's nice. Like, everyone said to me, you know, when it's sunny and not raining like it is today, yeah, take a walk okay. through Central Park. <laughs> We're all uptown girls, so we appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we'll give you but, lots of recommendations. Yes, for we will. Well, Ali, thank you so much for being here. This was wonderful. We learned so much. So excited for all of our listeners to hear all the great work Mercedes and you are doing. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. It's been a real privilege. 